The LA Clippers bounced back with maybe their best win of the season at Sacramento in a double-digit victory in which they were in command the whole way. Maybe the best game of James Harden's Clipper career and the best game of Kawhi Leonard's season, in my opinion. And I'm going to be telling you why it went so much better than Monday night's disaster on today's Locked On Back in the W Column Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir. You are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team every day. I'm your host, Darren Viziri, born and raised in L.A. And in my 19th season as a Clipper fan, it's been a roller coaster thus far. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, where I was live after the game to talk about both L.A. games. You can also subscribe. You should. You better have. You've got to if you're a Clipper fan or a basketball fan, to Locked On Clippers on YouTube and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time we post a video five days a week about the L.A. Clippers who just got a big win against the Sacramento Kings. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about the main factors in those in that win. James Harden and Kawhi Leonard, for me, being the two biggest ones. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. GameTime is the best place to get the best deals on last-minute tickets. Just download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Let's get to it. So, going into this game, feeling a little bit concerned. You know, that was a really bad game on Monday. Sacramento's a really solid team. They play a really fast pace. We are pretty slow. I thought it may be a disaster if we are not sharp defensively and if De'Aaron Fox is getting in the paint at will. Well... You know, before I give the Clippers all the credit in the world, I have to say this was probably the worst game I've seen the Sacramento Kings play in the Mike Brown era. They played against the Golden State Warriors on Tuesday night, and they had a great comeback win, but it looked like it took the life out of them because that fast, energetic Sacramento Kings team was nowhere to be found on Wednesday night. The Clippers looked sharper. They looked better on both ends of the floor, and they played with more effort than the Kings. De'Aaron Fox, when Brian Seaman in commentary said he was up to 30-plus points, my jaw dropped. You know what the real fact of the matter was that I didn't realize? The Kings were scoring, and it was really just De'Aaron that was scoring. But those points that they were scoring just felt like, well, they're going to have to score eventually. This is the best, one of the best, this is the best offense in the NBA last season, and the Clippers are all over them. They're not even creating that many great looks, in my opinion. They're ice-cold shooting jumpers. They look tired. They look, they look like they have no legs, no energy relative to what I'm used to seeing from Sacramento. So, yeah, De'Aaron Fox is scoring all those points. They didn't scare me one bit. I call them filler points. Kawhi Leonard was the best player on the floor in this game. 
when the Kings made a run, he shut the door. In the first quarter, he was aggressive. But since we're talking about the first quarter, let's talk about the guy that really got the game jump-started, and it was a total difference in his approach to the game. You know, there's been a lot of talk about James Harden being too unselfish. Then I think to myself, you know, on Wednesday morning, it doesn't feel like he's being unselfish in the sense that he still has the ball seemingly longer than everyone else. He's still getting to dribble a lot. He's just not choosing to go at certain guys. He's not looking to be more aggressive when he's going downhill, turning the corner on a pick and roll. He's not shooting the catch and shoot three with hesit- you know, without hesitation. So is that really being unselfish or is that being passive to a detriment to, you know, get trying to get everybody comfortable, confused with, you're just hurting the team. No, you know, when Kawhi and Paul George draw two defenders and then they're finding you for an open three, you're not helping anybody by not taking those shots, right? I go to NBA.com, I look at the stats. James Harden leads us in touches per game and the average time he's on the ball per touch. So he has the ball plenty. It's all a matter of doing those three things that I said he wasn't doing. And in this game, he did every single one of them. First shot of the game, James Harden, catch and shoot three, bucket. And he kept on firing it all night long. And it felt like when he saw it go in, I, I mean, the coaching staff had to have told him something, right? But it's also James Harden. I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just like, okay, come on, it's time to, it's go time. He's in the corner, step back three over, I believe it was Harrison Barnes. Just like that, six points. And then we know the Sacramento Kings' weakness on the defensive end is the interior. And by the way, they did not have Keegan Murray, who I think every time I've watched him this season has been really improved defensively, and we know he can shoot the three. So, it's you know, it's a big loss. They're missing a starter, and they're not the deepest team in the world. Like, Malik Monk is fantastic off the bench, but besides that, I'm not that sold on Davion Mitchell, Sasha Vizenkov, Chris Duarte, all that as being huge, impactful role players when it comes to you know, getting past the first round or getting past the second round, you know, being in the real championship conversation, which the Kings really aren't still. And I, I think that that doesn't even mean that the Clippers are guaranteed better than them. But the Clippers, if their stars play like they're expected to, they're definitely better than the Kings. We have a higher payroll. We have higher expectations. Like, let's be real. We're a super team. Now, James Harden got going with the jump shot and then he turned the corner harder when at Sabonis, and as I said, the weakness of the defensive end for the Kings is the interior. He goes right into his chest. You know, back in the day, James Harden used to go at any big in the league, downhill, right into their chest, but now he's not going as fast. So against the ones that aren't as great of rim protectors, he can still elevate. He can still kind of do what he did, like against Sabonis. I think against the better ones, when he now that he can't get off the ground that same way, it might be more troublesome. But it's not like you're playing a great rim protector every night in today's game. Um, So James Harden going at Sabonis, that was beautiful. And obviously he's going to make some good passes in the pick and roll and good entry passes. And, you know, it wasn't even James Harden being in more pick and rolls to me. It wasn't even James Harden. Like some people were telling me it's because they let the Clippers run the offense through Harden. Isn't that what we've been doing since we put Westbrook on the bench? I think it was more that Harden was just being more aggressive in the looks that he had. And when he saw those first couple of shots fall, the defense now respects him differently. Now they're getting closer to him. I was on blow-by watch for both Kawhi and Harden because I was so harsh on them last game that they couldn't get by anyone. 
Well, I counted three times in the first half where they got by someone, and it was the same defender, Harrison Barnes. <laughs> so that may say more about Harrison Barnes than them. But when James Harden's hitting the three ball like that, teams are going to guard him closer. They're going to show more and bring their bigs or whoever's involved in the pick-and-roll action to the level of the screen and not drop. And then that's going to create four-on-three situations, and that's going to create downhill opportunities for Harden. And on the drive passing, he's the best on this team. On the drive, then there's no doubt about it. Now, 17 points in the first quarter, that is not something to scoff at. That's what James Harden was on. His three ball was cash. He had a little Euro step in transition. He had a pull-up three in transition that was totally in rhythm. And it just came from playing in the flow of the game. And the Clipper defense was really much sharper, as you would expect, you know, responding from that game. They were a lot sharper on Wednesday night. They were going underneath the screen on De'Aaron Fox, and he wasn't hitting that jumper in the beginning of the game. Kevin Herter was one for five from three. Sacramento was just throwing threes up there, and they were twelve, sorry, 13 for 41 in the game, so 32%. And it was, you know, when you get stops, that allows you to play in transition. That allows you to get the defense in cross matches and find mismatches early and stuff like that. And I thought that the Clippers just played with better pace because they're getting stops, and Harden wasn't doing the dilly-dallying as much couple of moments where he, when he missed shots, he was just trying to foul bait, which was obviously annoying. But that applies to Norman Powell as well, who, by the way, looked like he had gotten injured in this game. I really hope he's okay. But it didn't sound very good after the game that people weren't – I don't know. It looked bad. It looked bad. It looked lower leg, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't seen the replays of it. But get well soon, Norman Powell. But James Harden, he really set the tone – And I thought it was, you know, it was his highest scoring game as a Clipper, 26 points. Was it his best game as a Clipper? Was it better than that Houston game? Let me know in the comments. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists for him. And how about 5 steals? Back to having a very solid defensive game. He was getting targeted a bit in the 4th. But overall, very solid defensive game. Active in the passing lanes. And just doing his thing. And I thought that we still ran the offense largely through Kawhi and Paul George, mainly Kawhi in the mid post, which is what we should be doing. A lot of mid post Kawhi. But this is what I envisioned when we first got Harden, right? Mid post Kawhi, have Harden one pass away. If the defense wants to double down low, he can dump it off to Zoo or go cross court to either Terrence or Paul. But if they want to, if they're really worried about Kawhi, that they want to double right away, one pass away, James Harden catch and shoot three. That's what Russ can't do, really, at a high level. That's what he's there for, and that's what he was doing. And I like that Kawhi and Harden were playing that two-man game, Kawhi setting screens for Harden, because the Kings were switching one through four, as were the Clippers. And when you put De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter on Kawhi, he's either going to cook or draw a double. And coming up, going to be talking about Kawhi Leonard and his performance in this one, in my opinion, the best of the season. Going to be talking about that coming up. Clippers win it 131-117. I got to tell you a little something about game time. Game time is the best way to get the best deals on last-minute tickets. All-in prices, views from your seats, best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. I've had so many situations in the past, obviously this year I have season tickets, but in the past where mainly before I could drive, 
where my mom would come home from work and say, let's go to the Clipper game, and it would be on such short notice that we wouldn't get a good deal. Nowadays, if you're in that same predicament, maybe you don't know what time you're going to get off work or whatever, you can go to game time, and game time not only lets you see the view from your seat so you know what you're getting before you get it, you can buy tickets very easily. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. So if you're just like, screw it, I'm trying to get in for the second half only because I can't go for the first half, you can still do that on game time. Game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Just download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on NBA L O C K E D O N N B A. So there's two ends there for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Clipper Nation, how are we feeling after that one? Clippers win it 131 to 117 at the Golden One Center in Sacramento. 10 and 7, the Kings record after this one. Clippers 8 and 9, one win away from being 500 for the first time since being 3 and 3. Now, let's talk a little bit about Kawhi, who we got going pretty early, but. He heard everybody on Twitter. He heard everybody talking about he's washed, looks a little past it. He's not the same Kawhi as last year. Can't dunk on people anymore. Doesn't have much lift. Looking at me. <laughs> and he played with the most explosion I've seen this season. And the moment I thought, uh-oh. Not even uh-oh in a bad way, like, he means, uh-oh, he means business, was in the first quarter when he ripped through against Harrison Barnes, got the step on him. So you could kind of count that as a blow-by. That was one of the blow-bys I was counting. The thing is, certain guys, when they're pressing up on Kawhi in the mid-range area, Kawhi can get by them because they're literally so close to him, right? Some A lot of guys. It's more about when I'm talking about he can't blow by is facing up top of the key on the perimeter. That's where he really struggles these days, and that's why teams are willing to put their bigs on him, right? Mid-post, mid-range, sometimes. But as I said, Harrison Barnes also not the quickest, but it's not about this, the getting by. In 2021, I was saying he couldn't get by like that. But the thing about Kawhi, he, he could still explode at the rim, right? And last year, he looked like he had some good explosion again. He tried to rip through baseline for a one-handed dunk attempt. He got fouled and missed. They did not call a foul. And I was like, oh, my God. And he had multiple dunks throughout the game. So his lift looked pretty fine to me. I think it's more of a result. And I was talking about it with the Clipper radio host, Adam, today on Twitter. Shout out, Adam, who listens and gives gives me some positive feedback. Then the Clippers, you know, 2021, my criticism was he's not getting by guys enough. And I think that's still going to be there. But I don't think we need him to be some crazy blow-by guy to be the level that he was in last season. Because he wasn't that last season. 
and 2021. His game is he's a mid-range killer, three-level killer. Can turn over either shoulder, takes good shots, is uber efficient. And mid-range, post-game, these kind of things, you know, these are really well-translatable things to the playoffs, as we've seen from Kawhi, who's a playoff riser. And we just wanted to see that he still had that explosion. And it seems like he still does have uh, that bounce left in him. And defensively, you saw it in this game, too. Blocking shots, being active. Clipper defense much better, but I think the offense was what helped them because when they scored so much, that kept Sacramento out of transition. And when the guys are not hitting their jumpers, Sabonis, by the way, absolutely shut down in the paint by Zoo, who, quiet as it's being kept, has had like six good games in a row now, and people are not going to want to admit it. Zubats shut it down in the paint. He was spectacular. He missed a couple of chippies in the first half, but his screen setting was excellent, both on and off ball. He, his rim protection was excellent. And in the second half, he was finishing. He had a monster third quarter with 12 points. And you got to absolutely give credit to James Harden with that, a little bit of Westbrook with that, and just Zubats himself. Sabonis was held to three for 12 from the field. And get this, two of his shots were threes that he made. And he's not shooting, like making a ton of threes this season. So that just tells you he only made one shot from two. If it's a Zubats, was shutting that thing down. If it's a Zubats, 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists, three blocks, zero turnovers, seven for 12 from the field. Awesome game from Zoo. And I'll tell you one thing that helps. When James Harden is hitting the three ball and shooting it with confidence and teams, when you put their big and pick and roll, are going to send two at him, that puts Zoo as opposed to those tight catching the ball in the paint, running into two defenders with not much time, drop coverage, make a read scenarios. Now he's getting it on the short roll, going downhill at a defense that's a lot more spaced out. So Zoo can make better reads in those situations. And you were seeing a little bit of that in this game. And Kawhi Leonard, I just want to keep harping on how great he was, the explosion that he was playing with. You know, it all we need him to be is the level he was at last year, second half of the season. And I think tonight was a preview of that. And I don't think I've fully given up on it. Have I been a little worried? Yes, I've been a little worried. Because, as I said, last season it was a little bit of a different situation. He comes off a torn ACL. He never looks great until he starts looking great whereas this season he started looking great before the trade then Harden came and now everybody's deferring and don't know what they're doing and then now we've gone to Harden starting and Westbrook on the bench and he's playing much better but he still hasn't looked great in any game since the trade for me he's looked very good but this one he was just phenomenal like just phenomenal and he he looked I think so. Here's what it comes down to, right? Kawhi doesn't have much burst anymore. Off the bounce, getting by guys. But he didn't in 2021 either, so that's not even anything to be concerned about. That's not what we... It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it may be a little flaw, uh, you know, as your best player, but, like, trust me, if we're nitpicking that hard, there's a lot of other flaws for other guys around the league that are number one options. Kawhi Leonard playing at the level he was in 2023, last year playoffs, regular season at the end of it, that's all we need. That's all we need. His defense was fantastic. And at, when the Kings made their push to cut it down to 13, guess who shut the door? Kawhi. Am I going to say that was a like, close game, Kawhi? Because I've been criticizing his closing. I don't think so because they never got within single digits. But so back to what I was saying about the lift and the burst and whatnot. whatnot. The lift seems like it's there. 
a little premature on that one, maybe to say he didn't have any lift. But I will say this. He's been playing more basketball than he has in years, right? 17 straight games. That plus, that may be a result or lead to maybe he gets fatigued quicker than before, you know, because all the surgeries and all that. That may be it if as far as lift goes. As far as the elevation at the rim, the that looks fine to me. <laughs> that looks fine to me. So moral of the story, Kawhi is still that dude. Kawhi looks like he is still on the trajectory, like so many people thought, including myself, that like it's just a matter of time. Because I haven't I've been saying Paul George has been our best player, but I have not said once, you cannot find it once of me saying that he's gonna be better. I think he's gonna be better at the end of the season. This is team will go as far as Kawhi Leonard takes us. And we need Kawhi to be that 2023 guy. And he looked one step closer to being that guy. He looked like that guy on Wednesday night. Let me read you this stat line. 34 points, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 14 for 18 from the field. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? 2 for 3 from 3. Wow. Wow. He was spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. So Kawhi Leonard, Clipper fans, he's still that guy. And expect him to start looking like the 2023 version in the second half of the season that he was. And that is one of the best players in the league. I thought we ran some creative sets to get Kawhi good looks. And coming up, going to be talking about that more. A little bit of Paul George, Russell Westbrook, the rest of the gang. And stunning development in the rotation. Going to be talking about that coming up. I got to tell you a little something about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, except if you're in Los Angeles where it barely gets colder, the NFL offers to stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. Wide range of betting options including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL or NBA or NCAA basketball season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so talked about Kawhi, 34 points, 9 rebounds on 14 for 18 shooting in this 131-117 win. How about the fact that the Clippers only had 7 turnovers the entire game? That's huge. That's massive. Because you keep a team like Sacramento who wants to run on you out of transition. Terrence, man, season high. Looked much more confident offensively, and I thought some of the great stuff we had was... You know, I'm not a huge fan of Terrence Mann popping out on the double drag action, which is the two screens, Zubats rolls, usually with Harden on the ball, Terrence pops out because it feels like, not feels like, but the, what the defense does is they tag, they get somebody covering Zubats' roll, and all they do is just help on James Harden's drive because they'll leave Terrence open and know he's, you know, on the top of the key, they're living with that three. And a lot of times Terrence is not even looking at it so far this season. But what I do like is just Terrence being involved as an individual screener, just high pick and roll. And in this game, in the second half, the Kings started Sasha Vizenkov 
instead of Keegan. I'm sorry, not Keegan Murray, Chris Duarte. And we were putting him in pick and roll over and over, and they weren't willing to switch Vizankov onto Paul George, Kawhi, or Harden. And that was causing Terrence Mann to get into a lot of those short roll situations. One time he got into his mid-range, which he had two of in this game. That fading to his right, fall away mid-range from the foul line is looking pretty good this season. And just good downhill finishes. And you know Terrence can just make plays. And defensively, he wasn't insane. He wasn't crazy. That wasn't great, but he was still good. You know, it's always going to be better with Terrence Mann out there. He's going to be an athlete. He's going to fly around. He's going to try hard. And that's what you need. And offensively, he doesn't shot hunt. He's not an on-ball guy, so it's perfect. You know, that's what you want. Sometimes less is more. Terrence, 18.3 rebounds, one assist, no turnovers on 8-for-12 shooting. So we'll take that 66%. 1-for-3 from deep. I was really happy to see that one go in. Again, keep shooting, keep shooting. The misses are not bad. Right on line, just a little short, a little long. It's going to go. I think the law of averages will be fine for him. How about Paul George? I thought he was really good in that second quarter. That unit where him and Russ can come in and get going is is fantastic. And I expect to see. So the formula for me is you let Harden and Kawhi kind of get going in the first quarter. Harden will have the ball in his hands the most. Kawhi's going to be getting the most shots. You feed him in the mid post. Yeah, yeah. A couple pick and rolls. But but second quarter, you let PG and Russ start to do their thing, right? And then you let PG really get a lot of shots up, get into a rhythm. So at halftime of this game, it was the first time I had said, Paul George, Kawhi, and James Harden, as members of the Clippers, are all playing great. Great. I think Paul George didn't end up having a great game. I thought he was good. Played good D, much better than the other night. He had 19 points and seven assists with only one turnover. So I love that. That's better, you know, for a guy who's can be very turnover prone. Seven assists is awesome. Seven for 18 from the field, so not too great. Four for nine from three, though. So he's actually only three for nine from two. I'll take the four for nine from three. Played 40 minutes. All of our starters played 30-plus minutes. But overall, I'll take it from PG. When Kawhi is our best player and he's playing like that, I prefer it than PG being our best player and playing at his highest level. No offense to PG, but I think you guys can figure out why. Kawhi's been there, done that. But yeah, and then James Harden, 26.3 rebounds, 6 assists, 5 steals. Let's talk about Russell Westbrook a bit before we get into the the grand finale. Russ, I thought he gave us some really solid energy minutes. The only gripe with Russ for me is those possessions. He did it twice when he comes up and shoots without passing it once. I hate no pass possessions. It's not just Russ. If anyone did that, I would say the same. Um, because I had a, I don't know if I've told the story on here, but I did that once in a game when I was a kid, and I got yelled at by an NBA player. So, and I agree with his logic actually. So, if you want me to explain that, I can do it next episode. But I think you guys can get the point. I think I've explained it before. Point is, move the ball, right? Your point guard. And Westbrook, I don't like those. At least if you're going to take a shot like that without passing, it should be a good shot. But besides that, I thought he was really solid. Coming in and giving us those energy minutes, I thought in the second half he had some good moments cutting. You know, There was one time where he threw the ball to PG and then cut right away when his defender just went to double or sagged off, got a foul. I mean, there's just some of the plays that he makes athletically are ridiculous at his age. You know, For all the talk people have about LeBron at his age, Russell Westbrook, the shape that he's in is crazy. Like He's just a bully. Just a bully. And, you know, there was a couple of nice plays with Russ as a roller in the short roll. Let's see how many, what was his shot? Three for eight from the field in the game? Yeah. Three for eight. 
No, two for six. Two for six from the field. It's not a gr- very efficient night, but how about this? Nine points, five rebounds, eight assists, only one turnover. Eight assists. You'll take that all day. So I thought he made some really good drop-off passes and was still very aggressive, you know, finding the open man. 19 minutes. You know, I don't know. I thought Russ was looking pretty good tonight in terms of body language. Looked like he was having a pretty solid time. Um, I saw a video of him talking up Kobe Brown in a timeout. It was awesome just how animated he was, how in his face he was, and it seemed like Kobe was pretty receptive of everything. So you love seeing Russ, you know, the most vocal guy on this team, the most vocal, biggest vocal leader on this team doing his thing. Rustbert fans, let me know how you felt about the 19 minutes thing. I, I shouldn't matter when we win by double digits. Daniel Tice, I thought his minutes were a little rougher because I think Fox was just attacking him and having and Monk as well, having some success with that because he's not a rim protector. But I like what Daniel Tice brings. Like, he had the minus 12, but I think Daniel Tice was still pretty good. Just in the set, like, he's not going to be a rim protector, but he gives us good things. He got three offensive rebounds. Spacing-wise, he's a little different than Zoo. Like, you can put Tice at the nail or at the foul line, right? And still have Westbrook at the dunker when Kawhi is getting posted up. Because he can feed the ball to Tice for either a little mid-range there when he's getting doubled or that little floater. And Tice, if they commit and leave Russ open down low or Terrence open down low, he can feed him right there. He's a pretty solid passer and makes quick, good reads. Better than Zoo, to be honest. But he's not better than Zoo, in my opinion. Because Zoo's rim protection is second to none. He's a seven-footer. Not Well, I shouldn't say second to none, but you know the best on our team by far, right? And by the way, everyone wants to criticize Ty Lue when, he, when we have a bad game. And he, they literally think, and I'm talking to some of you, that he doesn't run plays because our offense gets stagnant and isolation-based. Do you know how many teams have that same complaint about their team that they go ISO in the end? Because it comes down to you have a lot of switch, switching personnel in today's game, right? It comes down to punishing matchups. And drawing two defenders to get that ball moving. And when it comes to Kawhi Leonard, who I'm going to reiterate, I'm still going to stand on it. He doesn't get by guys that much. Paul George, sometimes he can settle. I'm not even going to speak for Harden yet because he hasn't been in the playoffs with us. Because these these criticisms have started before Harden. The problem is the Clippers, they didn't get downhill enough to draw two late in games. It's going to be a contested mid-range. And our two best players are ISO guys. Do you know who else, which other team has that same criticism of them? The Boston Celtics, because their two best players are constructed very similarly to ours. They're fantastic scorers, three-level guys. They're younger, so they get downhill more for sure. But they're not great passers. They're good passers. It's the same thing, you know. So that's ultimately what it is. Ty Lue ran sets. If you literally watch Ty Lue, after dead balls, ever since midway through last season, I've noticed he's been calling way more sets. It feels like I watch other coaches around the league. Like I watch the Lakers. They let LeBron do call out a bunch of stuff on the court. They kind of let him dictate Tyrese Halliburton for the Indiana. Same thing. Ty has been really calling out a lot of plays. I've noticed more since the second half of last season. If you've been noticing, it's no difference. Let me know in the comments too, but he ran some really good stuff. There was this one play I loved where Kawhi and Paul George, by the way, who have, setting a, have been setting a lot of cross screens for each other in the paint, right, for one to come off. And they were setting it two times in a row. They did the same play and scored on it. They set the cross screen for Paul George to ISO on the left wing. This was in the second quarter. Then Zubats sets his little pin down screen for 
Kawhi to come up and catch it at the foul line and shoot. We ran a lot of plays this season for Kawhi to come off a zoo screen to the foul line and shoot, and he usually scores on it. Next play, we ran the same thing. They took it away. Paul George, ISO on the left wing, bucket. Ty Lue, after a timeout, gets Zubas the ball on the low post, jump hook. And there was one take that Zoo had. He went right into Sabonis' chest, got hit in the face, no call, and still went up strong. Just loved it. It was aggressive, Zoo. We've been seeing that lately, and that's great for the Clippers. What a win. We'll take it all day. 131 to 117. Best win of the season? Let me know in the comments. The Dallas game, you know, they were on. The Clippers were on a back-to-back, and Dallas wasn't. They had two days off. So that's a that rivals it. But this game, it's at Sacramento. So even though they were on a back-to-back, you let me know. Great win nonetheless. Kawhi Leonard is that dude. James Harden, better when he's looking at the basket and taking what the defense gives him and still trying to, you know, create something in isolation here and there. Oh, I forgot. Kobe Brown. Yeah. Kobe Brown in the rotation permanently now. So shout out to everybody that even said that in the comments. I was big time wrong. Big time. And my guy DJ, he was saying that in that video when we were saying trade for Harden. In my opinion, Kobe Brown does not get this look if we still have Nico and Roko on this roster. And senior, of course, because I know he would have gotten priority. But it's great to see that Kobe Brown is replacing P.J. Tucker. Is it a Ty Lue move or front office? I don't know. But regardless, I think Ty Lue can bench P.J. Tucker. P.J.'s at the stage where he can accept it. That Look, he's had a great career. He's won a ring. It's not his time anymore. And Kobe Brown, he had some rough minutes defensively, just getting used to things. Teams are going to attack him, test him. But two shot attempts, both threes, without hesitation, made one of them. We'll take it. So Kobe Brown going forward, a little more youth, a little more athleticism, hopefully, and we're going to get to see him really play basketball, which is awesome. 131-117 is the final. Clippers win it, move on to 8-9 and nine on the season. They play Golden State in a back-to-back on Thursday. Let's see how that goes. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have played all 17 games this season, and I'm still knocking on this wood, and it's amazing. I love it. I wish our record was better, but hopefully it'll continue, and our record will continue to get better. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. Subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper content. And, of course, Locked On Clippers, wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube, subscribe. You know what to do. Notification bell. Let's get to 4,000 already. Come on. Tell your friends. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.